0: Art Root Blue You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. Today on this podcast, we're going to discuss kind of a vision that I've had for forever. And it's a long journey, but it's a short journey. And um, it really is, well, kind of a dream I've had for a really long time. When I first started painting murals and I saw the connection that was between people and cities and communities and the government, it really became a kaleidoscope of an economy, a social economy. And it was, um, it was kind of like painting. Because when you paint, uh, you you know, you paint with one color and then another color and another color and they blend into just hundreds of colors. And as much as there's a spectrum of colors and a color wheel, when you start blending colors you get just this nuanced kaleidoscope of color well when you work in community development through the arts the arts is only one color or one lens there's so many other lenses you know you know we would connect social stuff to business things to youth to seniors to marginalized to all different nationalities to services, to government, to ministries, back, and it became, if you could look from my perch, this kaleidoscope of how you could change and connect the community from that perch. Now, scaffolding could be looked at as a perch, which is kind of what I was, and I was invisible for so many years on that wall, even though the wall became the meeting place. It's pretty interesting to know I just painted this um, mural in, in honor of a, of a counselor, Dalvir Nahal, who passed, who was such a community champion. And I thought it was such a, an interesting thing that years later, here I am on a wall and my grandchildren, my mom and the community. And again, everybody came to the wall, the meeting place. And again, community can be inspired to work together. In that time, I had a dream of connecting the communities along the highway. And that was a really key part of my life because my dad always taught me, you know, the highways and the migratory routes were really key. And my mom and my family and everybody are immigrants. And then I started to think, well, that's the stories and that's the Blue Highway. And I've had so many people support my projects along these three decades But the return was always to the highway that connected us all and the gold in the people. Every one of those stitches across the highway representing a person, our Indigenous people, our Indigenous people from around the globe, but just everybody trying to, well, get through, build new, stay connected, support their families, and raise their children in a community, how I was raised, is really what we all want. We just really all want to do okay. And to paint our stories, well, you paint the past, good and bad, and today we paint the future, and I watch with excitement as I see all the new murals going up because, you know, we're we're bearing witness to what is going to come and what do our young people want, and we have an obligation to support that and to change our communities and to change the wrongs in the past. And if you look to other groups and other countries that have done this, Europe has done, you know, a phenomenal job in tourism and, and recreating itself over and over again through public art. You know, that's really what, um, you know, all of Leaning Tower of Pisa, you know, all of their big public art. And I'm just trying to, you know, their big museums, all those things, their art, their statues, their sculptures, the Eiffel Tower. But all of the traveling I did, it was about those routes. In that traveling, I met many incredible people and did many so inspiring projects. And projects to note are the Route 66 projects because I had met a man named David Knutson, and you will hear him talk on this podcast about connecting all along Route 66 with murals. Well, before I knew it, I was working with David and that was a long time ago and we had this dream of connected murals along Route 66 and Route 66 in its fame is a linear museum and David tells about his story and his paintbrush to that story. And then I worked in Cuba, Missouri and that community reinvented itself based on art and that model that I shared was named as one of the rural community models that should be emulated across the United States you know, it's won awards in Canada and it's, it's in that return. And so in this podcast, you'll hear David talk about and how we met and how I met the incredible Lori Fleming, who is just one of our Art Root Blue team members and my mentor and inspiration and queen of the highways and how important it is in our, in our travels and in our road trips and in our, our life experiences. Like, you know, we all want to travel and explore and be inspired and Those roads inspire us. You know, we still get in the car and we go on road trips and Canada is just a wealth of stories, good and bad, to lead us to a renewal that I think is so timely and so inspiring and although we're feeling all unsettled, it is in our roots that we can have wings. It's a very old famous saying and I wish I had said it but I didn't. And it's it's incredible because my daughter has that tattooed on her. And it's just really important to know because you can't move forward and forget the past because we are doomed to make those mistakes again. But along the highways, we are connected. So after meeting, you know, those incredible people who have stayed as stakeholders all these decades, and we know it's been the BC Wide Mural Project, it's been the Okanagan Mural Project, it's been the Vernon Mural Project, it's been the Merritt Mural Project, it's gone to countries around the world... But in its source, I mean, it's been Art Root Canada. It was the road to the Olympics. It was many things. And we've rebranded it as Art Root Blue, Root Blue, and Art Root Radio. Because now there's murals everywhere. My dream happened, and I didn't have to paint them all, which is wonderful. And I can't paint as much as or as well as some of the masters that are out there now. But I was one of the pioneers, and a female pioneer. So I'm really damn proud of that. Because, you know... Not a lot of people wanted murals then. And it's so funny that now I own Dr. Carl Schutz's car and his dream of his Global Mural Association, which is fantastic. And, you know, I want to support that group. And in that, though, are jobs, just like Route 66. There's jobs and training, and we need art to be part of the infrastructure. And I think for me, that's the passion, that we must look at the arts as our communities and as our social plans. It's not this addition. It's not its own separate ministry. I was always told, oh, you cross all ministries. And I'm like, well, no, actually, the arts is how we build communities. The trades, you know, the very foundation of building and building roads and technology and art is all in art. Restaurants, tourism. Is an art. It is the art of cultural living, which is where I learned. Um, well, I guess all of the knowledge that I have managed to keep in my brain has come from the idea that we are all living culture. And by looking at it as a planet of living culture, that, you know, the threads that tie us together you can't just have one color. You can't just have one thread. You have to have different textures. But if you're going to build an emerging canvas, you have to let everybody intertwine and and kind of tell the stories together. You have your individuality, but you're not this against that, and that against this, and they're over here, and we're over here, and this. We've all hurt everybody. We've all, as humanity, are flawed. But if we come together in a new tapestry, the arts are the threads that tie us together in our heritage, and I'm I'm really, well, it's interesting to see there's murals everywhere, and there's public art growing in North America, but the stories are still lacking. And the stories, the content is the new economy, the kaleidoscope economy. So spend some time on my scaffolding today. And I'm. there'll be some bumpy roads because, you know, that I've, I've collected these podcasts in the last year, waiting to try to, you know, I'm looking to get these stories told. And we're doing it on a, a song and a prayer and a lot of faith, like most of my projects, but they all seem to work out. And All I can say is I was a young girl with a paintbrush who thought she could paint the world better. And I just thought I could. I thought I could go to communities and just bring people together. And it really doesn't always matter what you paint. It's in the intention of the painting. And I think now that I am a grandmother and a wise woman, I hope, looking back, is all those communities did connect. And people are looking for that that little line, that little rope, that kaleidoscope that they get to look through and be part of that beautiful image, as changing as it is. So grab a tea, because this is a bit of a long podcast, and listen to my very good friend, Laurie Fleming, my very good friend, David Knudsen, and as well, a really interesting guest that's part of this, that um, Rick Antonsen, who I met through Laurie, who was in charge of Vancouver Tourism, who also is a highway champion. And when you realize that our renewal is in rebuilding our highways, but in rebuilding the people along those highways, we have to, I think, change things, shake it up, move that kaleidoscope, and realize it's the jobs and the sharing that happens in the connected communities along the highway on what I'm going to call Art Route Blue, And maybe if you listen to my radio a little longer, you'll see why I'm so passionate about it, because I was blessed to know these amazing champions of the highways, of the living arts. Welcome to Art Root Blue, Lori. How are you today?
1: Oh, just wonderful. I'm feeling in the blue.
0: Me too. It's a beautiful fall day here in the Okanagan, and I thought we would invite the world to come on our girl road trip.
1: Oh my goodness! We can say uh, we can get a we can get a grip on the girls' road trip.
0: I love that. I love the fact you know, COVID's made us be very inventive of things we like to do, but I mean, there is nothing like getting in the car with a really good girlfriend and going on a road trip.
1: That is for sure. That's total freedom. Freedom to do as the uh, as the road takes you. It's uh, 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 there is nothing more um, you know, satisfying and uh, that discovery of what the unknown. I think it's the unknown that uh, attracts us. And you can stop at a point of interest or make your own point of interest, and that uh, uh, keeps your
0: track of time. Well, let's imagine you and I are in this very beautiful powder blue Mustang. So we passed that and we're driving into Vernon, so of course we must stop at the Indian Motorcycle Mural.
1: Oh my god, yes!
0: Right? My husband just bought a brand new, and my son just bought brand new Indian motorcycles, dreams of theirs, and I find it interesting because you and I both know the power of that Indian Motorcycle Mural in Vernon. So what do you know about that mural?
1: Oh, I just know that it means going somewhere. It's a symbol of progress, uh, but it's a symbol when you look at it. We don't need a progress. We are happy where we are. And uh, I think that's a true roadie. Uh, We want to um, have the ability to travel, but we want to go the old route because it's proven itself and it makes you feel like you're um, permanent. There's something about that wall uh, that uh, uh, takes you to a moment in time uh, that will never alter itself.
0: It's funny, right, when I used the photo with all the Indian motorcycles on the photo when we painted the mural, and then people stopped with their current Indian motorcycles so we have a selfie spot for people to take and then of course now my husband and son are going to go down there and take a selfie because when we were at the Indian motorcycle shop in Kelowna they were like we need one of those murals and where's that so I think that's a real kind of an interesting stop for Vernon
1: yeah I think that's going to grow roots Uh, you know somebody interested in a mural in their town and uh, I think that's how it's going to uh, uh, keep the groove Just going to uh, flow. I call uh, finding a new rhythm on the road. It's greater. It's it's a it's greater than the uh, the flow of of, uh, travel. Yes, I think uh, that motorcycle trip is uh, uh, our next scenic uh, uh, searcher, searching for scenic byways.
0: But right now, you and I are still in this beautiful powder blue Mustang that I just got at the Ford dealer, where there's another Ford mural. And um, are you aware that? the vernon ford is the oldest ford dealership in canada
1: no i didn't know that that you you just uh, uh, taught me something and uh, i wonder why that would be why it would be vernon and not in uh, vancouver like brown brothers ford or Musgrove ford or whatever ford dealership we're we're familiar with that astounds me that vernon would be uh, first and foremost
0: well vernon was the transportation hub at one time of bc it had the trains and the cars, and it, that's what it really was. And when I okay. I painted the mural, was because they had the 100th anniversary. And I met a whole bunch of people, and I ended up painting that mural. And I find it interesting because I just bought this new Mustang. Of course, it's black and not powder blue. In my imagination, it's powder blue. And the gentlemen there, you know, were they were so kind to me, and I was so excited. And then they were like, you know, it's been 17 years since you painted that mural in there. And I'm just like, Wow. And it makes me think of you because we. I also painted a Ford car in Cuba, Missouri.
1: Oh, really? I didn't. I don't know. It was. Oh, that was like a nineteen. Uh, you know, early, early uh, year, nineteen twelve or something.
0: They were. They were both Model Ts. So I put a yeah, Model pa- T
1: Ford. Yeah.
0: I painted a Model T in the Vernon um dealership i painted one in cuba missouri and my dad's one of my dad's cars when i was a kid that we used to drive around in was a model t and i think that just represents the highways that it's you know we've driven those highways in those cars it's kind of a it's just so romantic and I think a lot of people don't think women are interested in but i mean i love a vintage car like look at the conversation we had with bob and that when we could also motorcycles cars and and road trips.
1: Yeah, road trips. It's all a symbol of freedom, like uh, Hinckley's America, Jim Hinckley, uh, Driving America with Hinckley. I think that uh, uh, that vintage aspect of travel and our desires to go back in time uh, takes us back to our roots. And there's nothing more satisfying than to know where you've been and where you're going and there's just something about that uh, opportunity uh that uh, uh, that lies between that freeway and that roadbed, and that's where these original roads uh, tie in with our desire to uh, uh bring back our uh our uh, our mode
0: it is definitely a mode and so like you know we met the other day when we visited you know on our road trip and we went to davidson's where we had you know they were closed so you didn't have get the treats that we had but it's such a lovely meeting spot and it always reminds me of farming and how wholesome you know the Okanagan and how it's been based on food and how really we we live in paradise
1: it is there's no no two ways about it that's why it's so desirable people but people don't want it to change and it shouldn't change but it is changing but the more you change the more you go back what it what uh, one quote this uh, uh, this uh, author says, just because everything is different doesn't mean anything has changed. And that could reflect in your state of mind.
0: Well, I love that. And I, I, I think, you know, we could tra- travel around and we can talk about more of the murals in Vernon because there's many. And I, I think we'll come back and we'll do that. Our next stop trip is going to be yeah. across the road because we have to stop at Woody's Pub, being that my son oh, owns yeah, for it sure. and he yeah. makes the best hamburgers. I and you know what? It's really interesting because he owns another pub in Kelowna where we have another mural of my dad's garage from back in Sparwood days. But you know, I think the roadhouses, as we are wayfinders, and you and I are blue wayfinders. I always find the roadhouses, which you know, art galleries could be roadhouses. Yeah. Regular pubs yeah. or roadhouses, but they're the meeting point. I think of how many people are trained for jobs, how many single women jobs are in best, in the service industry and hospitality industry, how it's such a timeless, you know, it's a small oh, business that's, that also is a travel business, I think. What would you think?
1: Oh, a timeless career, like the Harvey Girls. I don't know if you knew about the Harvey Girls on the uh, Santa Fe uh, uh, rail line.
0: No, tell me about it.
1: The same path as Route 66. But Harvey Girls are the symbol of that that uh, um, uh, that wholeheartedness. And uh, it's a symbol of quality and um, human uh, uh, kindness.
0: That's what it feels like when you go to a pub, because you always feel like you go home. Like, you know, you you just, you go to a pub and you know, you know what you're going to get. It's, it's like going home.
1: It is definitely. It's a homecoming. And uh, there's just uh, uh, no other way to describe it. And that's the comfort zone. The, The sight, smell, sounds, that's all those senses are activated in that comfort zone. And it cannot be replaced on freeways and byways and expressways. It's got to be in down home on that original line uh, that uh, uh, c- c- that brought us uh, where we had to go and, and where we go next. That, that mystic uh, element is what uh, I think is attractive.
0: It's, it's so important. I remember the mine disasters in my little town of Sparwood. And one day my son had and his business partner had planned a Christmas dinner and they had invited all the community people who had nowhere to go. And I was so full of pride when I watched the two men in the kitchen. They were making food and they were had opened their home. there. very, you know, they were very male. They're hunters, they're gatherers. And they were so welcoming. And I was just so full of pride because there's so many people that don't fit anywhere that walk into those establishments like the travelers of time. It was very, a a beautiful memory for me. I'm very proud of both of them, that they're so community-minded, and that can be such a lost thing today.
1: Oh, it can be, you know, to find your place in a community. uh, That's kind of a, a, you know, a a gift, a gift in in, uh, your heart, following your heart. Uh, But, um, yeah, travel is, I think, a way to um, escape, uh, but then it's a way to find yourself again and it's leading you back home, and it makes you appreciate your home. I think traveling uh, it has that uh, um, effect.
0: Well, I 100% agree. Um, I, both my children traveled a lot, I've traveled a lot, It makes me appreciate every day when I get out. Like this morning, my horses got out, and I was like, even they want freedom, right? And you have to... Yes, yeah. You know, they didn't need to go too far, and they came back home, and it was like the horses were talking to me, and I was going, oh, you guys want a road trip too. You guys want to roll the window down and, you know, put the sunglasses on and just be free.
1: Yes, it's the instinct to roam. And that doesn't mean that, uh, uh, that you're wayward. It just means that you have the intelligence to uh, uh find something beyond and then come back again it's just uh, that's how we educate ourselves and I think that's uh um, quality
0: well you and I have been working on this art route blue highway connected project for a long time and I mean it's been a couple decades and all of those people you know we're bringing everybody together to art Root radio to share their stories to be a connected community around a ginormous fire and we all drive in. But I really want to keep working with you to talk about the stories and how how can women get into their vehicles and drive? Like find time to be on the road, take your kids out. You know, we have count the sunflowers because we're working on the sunflower project. So you could take your kids out and count sunflowers and talk about nature and teach your kids and teach them to talk to their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles. Because we educate ourselves, I believe, in the cars we choose to drive in life.
1: Oh, I know. The car is our, uh, our mode. It's a mode of transportation. It's also a temporary home. What do they call it? Wheel estate. Oh, I love and, that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And uh, uh, it's just uh, the family car in our life has always been, um, it's part of your, it's got a heartbeat. And it's part of your family.
0: It's so true. It's, it is so true, Lori. because I drove, you know, a very sturdy vehicle and it was very safe and it was very, you know, we had grandchildren and, you know, and I was kind of an artist, you know, kind of out there. And when I got in my new car, I was, I remembered, and Rick turns to me, right? And he goes, you drive the car way better than you drove the four wheel drive. <laughs> there you go. That's a compliment. But
1: that is a, 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 an instinct. Uh, of your uh, where you're going it's an I think you feel uh, that's your comfort zone and I really believe that it gives you a sense of freedom uh, that uh, can transport you into the unknown but it can bring you back to your sense of belonging and it's uh, it's, I hope we don't lose that uh, that aspect in our uh, in our lifetime
0: well I think it took me back to remember the fun part of me you know, I I try to help communities, and we're always working to help, and COVID's been hard, and I think I forgot to have fun, and so we drove around, and then I picked up my grandson, and took it to show my son, and you know, it wasn't complete until I drove into my daughter's driveway, and she was like, mom, is this practical, and we were like, you know, and I have a great story of her and I when I bought a convertible, when it was just her and I on our own, and uh, her and I, and she was having a hard time in high school, and we were driving, and she is stopped sang me songs about that time, how important it was that I just took her for a drive just to get away from the bullies. And I was doing the same thing. I was There's a lot of bullies in grown-up life too. And I just picked her up and she had this one look on her face. And then I put her behind the wheel. And within three minutes, her arm was out the window, her face had relaxed, and it was just two women on a road trip. There's
1: nothing like it. There's nothing more, more uh, free uh, to, than uh, uh, to be uh, uh, behind the wheel or to feel the uh, wind in your hair. And uh, I, I uh, agree that uh, fam- Sunday drive, that family car uh, trip was an escape from reality, but we were in our own domain by being there but uh, it, there's just nothing uh, more um achieving and and uh, uh self uh, satisfying than that uh, family road trip.
0: You know it is so funny right because i think i'd like to do some of these podcasts in the cars because i want to hear the sounds and i want them to be rough and rustic and you know the dog barking in the back and you know oh, yeah. you know somebody um, going past oh, the
1: licorice yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's the senses. That's the element of the uh, sight, smell, sound, and uh, uh, that is uh, the reality of the road. It's just uh, that uh, uh, steers you to happiness and uh, uh, brings you back again, and, and uh, uh, what we have created in, in that, the beauty of it.
0: What's your go-to snack? What's the snack you always have in the car?
1: Uh, yeah, well, usually when I'm uh, in the car, I'm uh, writing because I have a diary. I take a diary and and I'm writing uh, what I see, and that's how I remember, and Bob is, uh, you know, uh, driving. But uh, we stop. I love to stop at coffee houses, uh, like uh, Frankly Coffee, and and you've been there, and and Camelot. And uh, I love uh, Bean to Cup, and I just love coffee shops, so that's where we stop. Uh, you know, to have our little snack, because usually I have to, uh, you know, use the facilities or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, I love uh, that kind of um, uh, uh, coffee house and uh, uh, community, or, you know, um, uh, sort of establishment. And the mom and pop and the greeter, the greeter behind the till is who makes your day. And we cannot pay them enough for what they give us in return.
0: Well it's really too bad our government doesn't give the tourism dollars to the small businesses as we have all these tourism. We have these tourism ambassadors right there. (laughs) They are. They
1: make our day. And our day uh, is as good as the person that served you and that is going to make your day better and if that person doesn't give you that there's a place in vancouver you've probably seen it on the tv recently because the east end of vancouver is kind of hurting yeah because of all the tent cities but there's a place that's called the laughing bean oh i love a that coffee shop the laughing bean and that's called that for a reason because you enter and as soon as you enter there there's happiness it's flowing it flows like the river it is just uh, uh, upbeat and it just transforms your whole daily thought into a uh, a meaningful purpose and that's what i think we're missing up here in the caribou uh, we're so isolated i'm personally isolated that it, i've got to go 45 kilometers to get a coffee shop like the chartreuse moose 100 mile they make my day and i look forward to that in, in as part of my uh, go-to and then again i go through clinton there's a coffee shop and it's called the, the junctions or something and uh, at the junction coffee shop and uh, he sells 49th parallel coffee oh that's good that coffee to die for i think and th- those are the people that set the tone of the day of travel
0: it's really true right the, the hospitality industry is really its own sector like it has oh, it so is. much yeah. power and our highways really are the linear experience museum art galleries story. I mean the highways are everything and and I know you're a huge roadie from Route 66 and we're doing this extension of the mother road you know because we have all that but it really truly is our Canadian roads. The blue of the Canadian roads are so unique. How would you describe how the Canadian road is equal but different to the American Route 66?
1: Oh, I think uh, I think uh, the Canadian route is just as real or more so. Uh, there's something about Canada that is proud, proud to be Canadian, and they're proud to serve. And that's in our DNA. That's in our blood in our Canadian blood, and our American people notice that as well, how, you know, it's a a common joke, Uh, you know, we're we're constantly saying we're sorry, Uh, that's because we're so kind, and that kindness overflows the coffee, and and, uh, I think that's uh, such a good image to have, I feel, because America is where it's all at, but the Canadian, uh side is uh, has even more permanence I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that
0: me too i'm proud like i mean i was lucky enough i always had a dream to do a destination mural town legacy highway it was going to paint murals around bc and then ended up kind of really did and we can connect you know all of the okanagan up through so many areas with murals hundred mile house i mean i've been to alberta traveled the world down the states so destination mural town you know the stories and we will continue to touch on and we'll take people on the itinerary to each mural and we'll be working on that but I think the highway sometimes if you just get in the car and you really just stop randomly it's the best itinerary is that sometimes if you don't plan an itinerary
1: yeah Uh the the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, what is it? it's in the journey not the destination the beauty or the uh, uh, the intrigue but that's all it is it's about the de- the uh, journey and I think that this is the flow the and tide of our uh, desires is to uh, uh, refresh it's a reset button
0: well it's fun because I take my one I take spend time with all my grandchildren but my one grandson Ben he loves we were in the back of the car and he's he's quite an interesting child and um, we were telling him about the sunflowers and I said yeah we're going to go look because we planted over 500,000 you know you know as our blue did and we did the sunflower project and it went viral it was interesting when we were talking to TOTA the other day the Thompson Okanagan Tourism Association they go well next year we can blossom BC with a million wouldn't that be a great idea and I was like yeah that would be a great and that's where it's going and I just Thought And these are kids that are sort of technical and like video games and although my daughter tries to keep them a little bit away from that. And I says, well, we're going to play a game and we're going to go sunflower sighting, you know, and do that. Well, he now phones me and says, Grandma, can we drive around in the car and go sunflower sighting? And he gets so excited. He's like, sunflower, sunflower. And we stop and take a picture and get points. It, and it's so fun, and I, I can't wait to do it again, because wouldn't it be nice to have different lesson plans and things that they could, so that they could learn in the back of the car, because how many kids spend time commuting in cars, right?
1: Oh, yeah, and it's a waste of time if you don't have a game to play. So that, uh, um, it repurposes the drive.
0: Right? It could Having be that, education. Uh,
1: again, that's what we used to do in the, in, uh, the 60s when Volkswagen Beetles used to uh, uh, be more and more prevalent. They came on the scene in our uh, transportation uh, uh, system and every time uh, we uh, saw a beetle, we'd say peanut and then we'd count the points you know even the parents would play and uh, that is similar to the sunflower uh, little uh, uh, game and and uh, the sighting i think that's uh, that is iconic i think uh, you should hold on to that idea i think we should call it ben's game
0: i think we should and i think we should have a diary book that goes with it so that the kids could say where do they see them what kind of sunflowers you know he was so excited and then he's been coloring them and and so and i just love Some of the I mean, because I was an encyclopedia kid, so I used to take the encyclopedias on the on road trips so I could read the encyclopedias. Yeah, I wasn't geeky or nothing.
1: (laughs) Well, that isn't that. That's uh, that's perfect. That's your roadmap. That's your moral compass.
0: Was was the yeah the Canadian encyclopedias? I just loved reading them cover to cover.
1: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that something like the Reader's Digest?
0: Yeah, that was my thing. But
1: but, uh, we got to bring back that into the uh, back into our culture the reading. There's so many aspects of that drive that heals us. It does for me anyway. It does. Just
0: like Uh, my walls healed, I think art, highways, and all of this heals us. Now, both you and I have both been, we're alumni now of the BC Achievement Award, and I think we're both women of worth that have worked our butts off to do stuff. I I find it's fascinating because we now have this website, Blue com where people can come and look at what you're writing and what you're speaking and we're hoping to have more itineraries by our queen of the highway which is who you are and i know we have um, work to do on some of the publications that we're working for you because you do have writings from the road that you want to share with the world
1: Oh, for sure, in places that I'd never get to if it wasn't for my husband. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I am so thankful of my, uh, my driver, my navigator, my sense of uh, who I am. And we all share, but we all see different things through the windshield. And uh, this is what makes us uh, uh, special. And that makes us all unique and all part of the trip. Is, uh, are, are sharing our sights and our experiences and uh, we are just making a new uh, um, uh, trip uh, but uh, think before you speak Read before you think. There's another one that uh, I, uh, but there was one, uh, and I can't find it right at the moment. But there, there is one that tells about the road. The road is like an open book, and and uh, it did, just took the thoughts right out of my head. And thinking that you know, it's the journey. That uh, uh, it's the art of the journey and uh, I think uh, Art Root Blue is the art of the journey and it doesn't matter where the road is, what boundaries we cross, we're all uh, uh, learning and uh, seeing and uh, uh, being a part of uh, uh, carving a legacy.
0: Well, Lori, I think our Art Root Blue is live and is real. It is what we're doing. It's global. I mean, I love, I love having coffee with you and Bob. I just, it's, it, I have many friends in my life, but you both have so much light. I always feel like it's an adventure. And I just, that is such a rare thing. When we last met, and then Rick goes, he goes, that is just, he goes, that is always so fun. And watching the two men talk about bikes, and it's just such a timeless, wonderful thing, you know. And you guys go your way and we go our way. And I just grin. time i yeah, just that is grin
1: something that uh, that you picked up on that because that that, that is something that common uh, mindsets uh, uh sort of uh, set the tone or, or uh, set the comfort zone uh, but uh it is i think it's mutual respect uh, and we're not trying to better one another, like or or, or uh, uh, drown out one another. It is just mutual respect, and it uh, it goes without saying. It, it, it's just this special empowerment, this vibe. I can't describe it, but you just uh, uh, said what I was thinking, and thank you so much for uh, uh, pointing that out to the uh, the rest of the uh, listeners.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. We're in that beautiful powder blue Mustang, Lori. I see us. Yes, we both have, you know, the kerchiefs are flowing. You know, I just, we got we got Bob and Rick in the back. We'll, we'll cram them in the back with the dogs, right? But yeah. I mean...
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. The dogs have to be part of it. <laughs> it's another thing that's part of your rolling home, isn't it? That uh, vehicle, because you can bring your dog. And
0: Well, Lori, I always feel home with you. So thank you so much for spending time with me today on this road trip. We hope people tune in and listen and follow our very random road trips. Because we don't drive in a line. I think women and road trips, we kind of go the curves. We we, we like our, our vehicles to curve and stop, and we always got to stop for a good fashion stop. We always got to stop for a really good ice cream, and we always got to stop for really good jewelry. <laughs>
1: oh i know they call that
0: retail therapy it's wonderful it? and you know yeah <laughs> i always watch you buy something at every place and you you are the best marketer because you go to those you really live going to those small places and exchanging and doing it's just amazing because your eye for detail of what people bring home you, i mean and i bring rocks i just love rocks and i bring different colored rocks and it's just so important to me of course it drives my husband crazy he goes because I have filled the back of our car with giant rocks sometimes. But I just like to go outside and see them. And then I think when I'm gone, they go right back to nature. And those memories are just mine.
1: Oh, this is wonderful that uh, you uh, have a trail to where you're going. And that uh, is a reflection of of where you've been and where you want to go. And that reflection is uh, um, recycling itself.
0: Well, you know, the fondest memories, my dad with his yeah. arm down, Driving his car, the pride he had, even though he had to be a coal miner, when he drove his his 57 Chevy, which was also teal, powder teal, he oh, felt like Elvis Presley. And you know, and for that five minutes, he got to feel like Elvis Presley because he had to work in the dirt for his family. That's a wonderful thing.
1: It is a wonderful thing. It's irreplaceable.
0: So thank you so much, Lori. I can't wait to talk to you again. Everybody stay tuned. This is again Lori Fleming, our Root Blue Highway Queen. I mean, she's our journalist. She's our travel writer. She's everything. But to me, she has been the strongest mentor in my life. So Lori, thank you so much. And let's stay tuned for our next very random road trip. That was great taking that experience with Lori. She is such a breath of just sunshine and fresh air and so passionate about traveling. Lori was the reason I ended up working for a time in the Gold Country region and um, as she used to live up there and she, you know, she had been working with me for decades and she wanted um, Art Root Blue to come up in that area and she introduced me to some politicians there and we worked for a while there. And um, we've worked, um, she keeps us connected. She had a dream of this alliance with me. We've always thought there should be an alliance like the Highway Alliance that's in the United States. And, and Lori was one of the co-founders of the Route 66 um, Association in Canada, which is just brilliant. And she's a, a um, BC Achievement Award winner, which I'm really proud as I am also a bc achievement award winner for the project in vernon so it was really wonderful when we had a meeting in kamloops and we brought everybody together to create this highway alliance which is the alliance of rural tourism is what we wanted art the art alliance and we worked really hard to have that happen and we brought all different groups together um indigenous groups and we just had this idea of all coming together And building this alliance of tourism which really is what the highways are and to make the highways this linear art gallery slash museum and we I think accomplished it we've sent packages to all levels of government and we have for the last I can't tell you as long and we have it all choreographed in our brains and but we do have it documented in books um, that Laurie has just been so wonderful in writing the story of Art Root Blue, which has its roots all the way back to 1999 or even before that to my immigrant family or to Laurie's life in the States or to David Knudsen's trip across the United States for his father. And I believe it's in the return. And so in the return of the blue is what this podcast is called, because we always return to our roots. And the highway is that. Way back, it's time travel. And, um, So take a listen as Lori takes me for a cruise, as she always does. You know, she was just here at our opening of our mural, which was so, so exciting. And then stay tuned again as um, we listen to David Knudsen, because I am in awe of that man. He, you know, Route 66 is just iconic. And it's, I was so, I can't even say, you know, as a young emerging artist, when he sent me the package, he made this beautiful package and he had my picture in it and he did a logo and I felt I had arrived and that's what's important in the artist community is you have to support each other so that you have you know that one hand up I always say if everybody who gets one rung up at the ladder put their arm down and just pull everybody else up one rung doesn't take that much effort and how much good can we do you know I, I see the news and I think about that and social media and I know how bad that can be and I go If we just turn that lens, that kaleidoscope, how much good can we do? How much money could we raise to hire more artists and to listen to senior stories and to get those wisdom stories told? So please listen to David, because he really is the king of the highways.
2: National Route 66.
1: Oh, hi, David. Oh, so good to hear your voice. I feel that uh, you're right here in my living room with me.
2: Well, I am, actually. Uh, just uh, look uh, over in the right-hand corner, and there I am.
1: Wow, uh, digital <laughs> magic! And this That's is what's nice. going to bring. This is what's going to bring young people to engage into the road and want to keep it. And uh, I think uh, this is going to be an extension of uh, the movie Cars. We're going to be a, a digital version of the places that are are iconic and cannot be destroyed because they're they're right there in they're no longer not just in our mind they're on our our computer screen
2: right right right. okay well so what's what's going on laurie what uh what's happening
1: Okay, well, we got a, a guild of artists, and um, uh, under the uh, auspices of Michelle Lockery, L- Lockery, who started the uh, Mural City in Cuba, Missouri. And right. I know that you commissioned her back in two thousand and one, even though right. she was a Canadian artist, uh, she was in the forefront of building that um route sixty six uh, a mural city and uh, it's going to now uh have interest in carrying on to to route ninety nine uh the uh, sort of an avenue of art. And uh, it will be a circle route and it'll come cross border through the Peace Arch border, crossing up in, uh, uh, through Blaine and Surrey, uh, British Columbia. And we will all be together on this art route and we'll bring life back to what has been lost but can still be found.
2: Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, very much, very much so. Yeah. Uh, I'm David Knudsen. And uh, I owned a advertising agency with two other gentlemen on Wilshire Boulevard in uh, Los Angeles for, oh, golly, about 30 years. And uh, we had large accounts, national accounts, uh, Hewlett-Packard, uh, well, anyway, a bunch of them. And uh I, my father passed away actually in Detroit, and um, uh, my wife and I, Mary Lou, went back uh, to settle the estate and uh, go through all that. And he had a, a, a little car. He bought a new car every year. Not an expensive car, about cheapest thing you could buy, really, and uh, it was a little Ford Taurus, and um, I—he had bought the car, uh, oh, like ten days before he dropped dead, and so I called the dealer. We didn't need the car. Uh, called the dealer and. Uh, said, well, I've got a 10-day-old car here, uh, what will you give me for it? And um, I think Dad paid something like $10,000 for it. And he, the dealer said something like 3000 And I thought, oh, no. And of course, we all know that once you drive a car off, uh, off the lot, it uh, collapses in value. Well, so we decided we'll drive it back to LA, and we'll be able to sell it for considerably more back there. And uh, uh, so we talked, and both of Mary Lou had traveled with her folks on Route sixty six a few times. I came out on Route sixty six in the sixties, and I uh, thought, oh heck, we'll we'll. Uh, we'll take Route 66 back and take this little car and sell it. Okay, so uh, I get some AAA maps and Route 66 isn't on it. I thought, well, what the heck? You know, where'd it go? And uh, so I said, well, we'll we'll drive to Chicago and uh, somebody will know where it is. And actually, we went outside of Chicago, and coincidentally, we're actually on Route 66, or what was Route 66. And uh, I pulled into a truck stop and um, talked to the, the guy at the counter there, and I said, This is a crazy question, but where's Route 66? What became of it? And he explained it had been decommissioned, and this signs were um, removed and everything. And I said, well, do you have any maps? And he had uh, a set of Jim Ross's and Jerry McClanahan's maps. So uh, we started out with those. And uh, just all of us, I mean, immediately realized that there were... uh, business after business on the old road uh, boarded up, closed down, torn down. In fact, whole towns were gone, or not gone, but uh, closed down, and uh, Odell being one. And um, so I started photographing this, and this was before a surprising amount of people never even heard of Reed 66 and those days. Uh, And uh, as we drove along, we were talking, and here I am owning this ad agency. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, gee, I, I should do something about this. And we both agreed something had to be done. So I took a ton of photos along the whole stretch. And when we got back to L.A., I decided um, that I'm going to uh, sell my shares in the company. So I went in on a Monday morning and uh, announced this to my two partners, and they thought I was insane. Uh going to go, uh, we're going to save Route 66. So uh, <laughs> we... Didn't know what to do. Didn't know anything about preservation. Had no idea. And um, I contacted the federal government, and they referred me to the National Park Service, who we went out and met in Santa Fe and uh, talked to them about it, and we started putting together some plans and and. Uh, before long, we were putting together a bill for $10 million to, not to be spent on us, but to to be spent on the road in grants. And uh, then uh, we started marching through Washington, D.C. for a couple of years, really. Incredible amount of time to get people, to get politicians interested in this. And um, as we all know, The bill eventually passed. So once again that's a tremendously long story in answer to your question.
0: Well it was absolutely fantastic because as I'm sitting here where are those photos?
2: Where are those photos?
0: Yeah where's those photos you took?
2: Oh I I have those.
0: Those photos are the time travel that need to get put up on the map so, that when young people redrive this road and we do Destination Digital Route 66 to get people back on the road, they get to see what you saw.
2: Okay. Uh, I have quite a few of places that are no yeah. longer there, not the least of which is the Coral
0: Court. Uh, yeah. You're All the right. collector of yeah. time, David. So, right now, Lori does that same thing. We have the murals, we have all that. I'm sitting here making notes because I think it's very pivotal today what we're doing because I see this map. You asked, you know, when you got there, where's the map? You asked that today, where's the map? We create yeah. a digital map with a wayfinding package for the communities. You share your photos through that app. People can look through the old View Master, which is what the app is, and look back into time. And the only way they can get there. Is they have to physically stand in that place and we could put little metal markers for them to go find and imagine that the view masters along the highway because I believe right now and I'm, that this is destination digital route 66 and I see Art route radio and I think David that your stories actually are so Lori, we are Art route 6699 we have that original yeah. logo Which, David, I think is so powerful. Route 66 mural project is a map, and I think that you guys are the voice of the radio. That's what I think. For what humbleness I have, I see this now full color. Like I don't know if you saw the hoofprint, David. One of the other things that nobody's ever talked about in North America is what the horse has done. You know, before cars, it was the horses. Horses were in the war. What have horses done for this great two nations? So we used the horse hoof print along those very same paths. So what we could say is that beautiful little addition is there was time before the pavement and there will be time after the pavement, but it all happens on Route 6699. Uh,
1: To point out how we uh, 99 joined 66, and in uh, Scott Piotrowski, he's uh, he wrote uh, finding the end of the mother road and uh, he wrote on here that um, uh, once you're out of eagle rock in that in, Foot, foothill uh, boulevard route 66 would turn south on san fernando road joining US 6 and US 99 and the importance of all three highways sharing the same roadbed cannot be ignored and uh the uh, fellow in uh, victoria when i was forming the association for a u.s highway forming it in canada he says unless you can link the two with something physical here and get your feet on that ground you have to uh, tell me now what your future is and i told him route 99 is the future and i've been working on this since uh, 2006 uh, so uh, my little body has been, uh, uh, you know what I mean, shrinking, uh, but my uh, uh, footprint, uh, uh, you, must, you might say, has increased.
2: Nice talking to you all. Wonderful.
1: Thanks so much, David and Michelle. It was
0: lovely. You guys are awesome. I can't... Welcome to Art Root Radio. Take a journey with us along the art routes of life. Be a wayfinder. Today our wayfinder is tourism extraordinaire. Rick Antonson. Rick is a cathedral thinker, a tourism champion, a world traveler, and to us, a blue wayfinder, a person who travels through the art of life. We welcome Rick and we hope to hear more stories along the way as Art Route Radio is on the road and making an art trip come to you. Good morning, Rick. Welcome to Take It to the Wall.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm sitting here, and so, um, I mean, I, I've done the podcast because what our podcast is about is connecting communities through art, and in all that time that I was on Scaffolding, I met a lot of people, and I'm bringing back those people, and you are one of those very impressive wayfinders, as we call them, so thank you, um, and first of all, would you please tell me something about why you are the wayfinder that
3: you are? Well, it's, it's nice to be called a wayfinder because to me that's that's indicative of, of people who don't know necessarily where they're going and they see signposts maybe that others have helped create. And, and those could be, in you know, the instance of things that we'll talk about, murals, or they can be stories that people have put out there, or they can, they can be landmarks. And it, it gets us to undertake a journey and we. we we try to find our way, and in and, and, and my manner, I tell about it by writing books about travel. So a wayfinder, I think, not only needs the journey, but needs to want to share that journey while through writing or other visual means of doing it.
0: Well, it's interesting, and we will put your website and all the wonderful things I could ask you about your bio, but that's something that people need to find their way, because that's what we're saying, go in and find what all these peoples are. We can all share what we all do, but I think at the root of it, in those connections. So in your career, I mean, you are a tourism guru, you are a writer, you are so many things. What do you think the most important part of tourism is?
3: Oh. Now, what we've learned because of the virus is is that people in and communities and businesses have, have struggled with how to define being a good guest as well as being a good host. so when we travel now, travel for the next year is going to be far more localized, so we're kind of traveling in our, our expanded neighborhood, maybe within our province or within a a region and. And we we have uh, not just an affinity, but but a lot of uh, common things with those people who are being our hosts. And we're not just a temporary guest, like, like go to Paris, you're there for a few days. All of a sudden, you're in one of the British Columbia communities, and you are you want to be responsible because you may be coming back because it's so close to you. So I think good guests, good hosts are really an important part of travel in the future for all of us. It's, It's so
0: true. I mean, I've traveled extensively in my career and people, I mean, I never thought, I always worked in the tourism realm by leaving tourism legacies, but I guess I was doing social tourism since 1990. And I didn't even know it based on my immigrant upbringing. I find it interesting how similar we all are, no matter where I went, I would be on a wall, but I would meet the same 13 people. Have you experienced that? You know, I like what you're saying because when I, I see some of the images on your website of, of you with the staff holding, that by nature draws people and the
3: people are drawn to find out what you're doing so they're curious about you the artist, you the traveler but at the same time they're probably from the community that the mural is going to represent so they want to get their story, they want to, to inform what you're doing and isn't that the best of travel when that that
0: happened between them. It's absolutely crazy because when I, I mean, and that's why I met Lori Fleming, my guru and mentor. was She's when tremendous. Isn't she? She is really the true road queen and has taught me so much. When I went to Cuba, Missouri, and, you know, I was offered the contract to paint those murals across Route 66, I couldn't go at the time because my daughter was young, and I just, you know, and yet I saw this vision of a connected highway between the two of us, I could see the USA and Canada and this amazing circle route. And I've held on to that dream. And I thought it was interesting. The woman I met's name was Michelle. I was Michelle. Our family felt the same, the same values on the same main street. And, you know, my mom taught me that we are all, you know, stone soup. We all must come together. And I never thought of that power. And the very first mural I did, I painted a school that got knocked down because the government decided that our coal mining town was not fit yet it had an Italian stone building built by immigrants that had a foundation of... It was amazingly beautiful. Something that would have been a cornerstone of the East Kootenays was removed after 50 years.
3: I I think quite often people rather than than using things that are old to try and storytell about the future in the now, a lot of people remove them. They they take down, they dismantle When you talk about going to to, to do that along Route 66, the whole notion of their storytelling came because they had these but they had no way of communicating the travelers that were maybe going to breeze through town. When they did the murals, people slowed down, they stopped, they ended up in a coffee shop, they ended up doing a walkabout, they ended up getting a haircut, they met the locals and they heard the stories, either behind the murals or behind the people or situations depicted in the murals. So When that happens along a place like a Route 66 over in a B.C. mining town or in other communities like a Vernon, it it gets people to think about those communities as a place to stop rather than simply drive through. And when you stop, you meet the locals. There's nothing better when you're a traveler than meeting a local.
0: And I mean the food, right? I always say that the lens of my traveling, when I was in um, New York and I did the mural for 911, the families that brought me were the families of the fire department that were so affected. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I went to Ground Zero with that family for the first time. They took us on rideabouts. Right about the, the, their police officers. We went to their watering holes. And I went, you get to immerse yourself in something that doesn't feel like the same postcard in every stand in every community.
3: At least deep down, each traveler wants a different story than the last traveler had, and increasingly, it had become difficult to to, to find that because people would go and they'd they'd go to a, a reported hangout or they'd, they'd go to a, a place that the guidebooks told them to go to. But when you stop and you're looking at a mural or you, you know, like a small cafe, you're going to meet somebody who has a story that none of your friends have ever heard. And they've got a, an angle, a view of the world that none of your friends have ever heard. And yet you have to insert yourself into doing that to, to not be a sort of normal tourist at a normal site. You have to nudge a bit into back valleys. So you have to go to the side of the building and and find these people who will tell you their stories because that's their community coming forward.
0: It's interesting because that's what we're pushing. So I work with um, a tourism organization called Expo Gold Country, and they they are an indigenous tourism organization. They have thirteen bands and I believe I'm not sure thirteen communities in that region. And it's important because it's kind of where the helix of the Trans Canada. And I'm always excited about the Trans Canada. I remember being a little girl and having a picture taken in Revelstoke when, you know, all of that, my dad talking about being able to drive. And I go, that's where we are, back at ground zero in Destination Digital, that all it is is roadhouses and art. You know, we all want to leave. There's a great scene in the movie Elizabeth where they say that everybody just wants to touch something bigger than them. Ah, uh, Well, and, and experience of travel is something bigger than any of us because it, it, you
3: know, you're, you're exposing yourself to 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 fresh stories, to other ideas, to to things that you, you haven't encountered. So you know, taking a, a journey, it's a, a short trip, which we all seem seem to um, to be happy with in the, in, in the, the coming months or a, a longer journey, you know, it, it really is getting out there and touching things that are not you and therefore are different than you and that they quite quickly become bigger than you.
0: Well, it's interesting. And if you think about the success of Route 66 after the Depression, I I feel that COVID, and a lot of people might not think this, and my family's been affected by COVID health-wise. Uh, yeah, so it's been, and, you know, career-wise, and I see my son is in the restaurant industry, and there's been all this fear. I see this equalizing. But I see that we've been given such an opportunity. What would What's your take on that?
3: So I, I would you, coming from that, uh, tourism background and um, a travel writer background, you know, would like just to be able to say, hey, everything's going to be okay and we're going to be back and you can go anywhere you want and that'll all be soon and there will be a recovery. But I, I would say it's a fair observation that it may take until the year 2023 before the British Columbia. Tourism industry has has regained its footing in a, a sense of of a sort of a fulsome recovery. The, the, the Route sixty six journey that people would want to take may not be able to be taken all twenty six hundred miles of it until a year like twenty twenty three. That doesn't mean that that we won't be able to have pockets of it, or we might not be able to travel know, half the distance on the, the Trans-Canada Highway, but you can't travel on the Trans-Canada Highway now. Yep. You may not be able to travel all of that during 2021 as different pockets recover at different times in terms of being safe to travel through. So so I, I think that, that uh, we all are anxious to get
0: back on the road and to get get uh, back on the airplanes, whatever way we, we travel, but it is going to take some time, would be my observation. I agree 100%. And I think what's happening, you know, we have a mantra of people, place, and planet. You know, mm, nice. Well, and it's so important because, you know, leave. My dad always taught me, you know, we went somewhere, you know, in nature. And my family were all, you know, nature-based businesses and people. You took what you brought and you took more. If you saw a pop can, you picked it up. And yes. I'm, I, I think there's a misnomer out there that tourism is like the icing of the invitation of the party. I'm really pushing in what I'm trying to do in my work, especially in my golden years, um, is to say that, do people realize that tourism is actually just a word
3: that is based on infrastructure building? Well, and, and, you know, historically, uh, the first... Tourists of the first travelers were explorers, whether they're going to Africa or other parts of Europe or parts of North America. And so trade followed the travelers and then tourism followed the trade. People wanted to go and see these places where they're doing business or whatever. But in in these times, that's all been that's all been shortened. What you're doing is creating new opportunities for people to see travel in new ways, to experience the community in new ways. But which I think is a, a very positive statement. Demands that people slow down, you're not suggesting that people breeze through communities. You're giving them reasons to stop, listen, learn, and that's the best of trouble.
0: Well, and it's like all my projects, like we raise money. Like So when we did the Vernon project, the downtown was built based on, we taught at-risk youth trade skills. We brought the contractors in and they worked with the youth to redo and retheme the entire downtown. So that heritage theme where people love or hate it of those stories built the downtown Revite. Merit was country music. There's been, you know, and people might say, well, you know, you painted country stars or you painted the white history or whatever. I'm going, it doesn't matter. That was directed by that community. So what was provided, and I see this, I see highways as time travel. I see, you know, the two camp trails, the migratory trails, the trade routes. Then the immigrants came, and along all of those routes, the infrastructure of Canada was built.
3: Well, and, and it's it's not that that any mural project is completed unto itself. It it, it it can be a large plot uh, for 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 uh, a community to then say, okay, this is as much of our story we've told about, whether it's through three or, or, or a dozen murals, to then say, and we're going to tell more of them. And what we are doing with the digital project allows those murals to, to, to come alive and to tell a greater story. So it, it means that they can be more diverse in the future. And the communities that have chosen to have a, a base of, of six or a dozen murals that give people that many reasons to stop spending time in the community, and as more people want to know more about it, why not double really the number of murals and and increase the ways in which people can understand that the, the, the murals talking to people through the, the digital app and before.
0: Well, I actually see it as a new ministry because I see them as book covers to communities. Right? I see it as a chapter, like how you your beautiful books. I see each one as a chapter, and that's the cover of that chapter, and so. I go, muraling has taken off. I mean, that's what Europe's based on, cave drawings. This isn't a new, it's not my concept. It's how we taught since time, you know. And and I find it interesting because imagine that time travel and imagine we used to teach the skills and all those things that are still coming back. But now in the digital employment stream, that's so necessary rurally. Imagine every person has a computer in their hand now that they can learn how to take photography, to a level of tourism, photos, um, storytelling that lives in the hand of the people. And those are jobs. That content building is the very economy that we need to put our planet back. It's a clean economy. So I'm like, I really push and that's what I'm so excited about talking to you about is that when people realize that tourism is actually the infrastructure building, maybe people would, you know, because it's hard, rural communities are like, we don't need too many people there. They don't have, and, you know, we have to look at that equally because you're right. We don't want to throw people in our wilderness. We must educate and build that. And I think that's what's so exciting. When I look at all of what you've accomplished, I believe you see and you, you really understand that, you know? you know? Tourism runs the risk if it's overdone, as you caution against, uh, going from good
3: to bad to in some places down. Many people with too little product to consume um, it lessens the experience. You know, if, if um, everybody wants to go to Hawaii to have the Hawaiian experience, then pretty soon there are too many people there, and the Hawaiian experience has not just been diluted, it's just no longer on offering because you don't get the solitude, you don't get the sense of the open beaches. When you take that to a, a community example in Alberta or in British Columbia, you know, communities are. are are meant for the locals and those who pass through. If too many people pass through and it brings you know, congestion or uh, unhappy restaurant situations, then then that's no longer ignorant for the locals or for the visitor. And it's back to the, the balancing act, it's back to the, how do we be good guests and how do we be good hosts. And part of being a, a, a good host is not to invite too many people at one time and to make sure that, that there are enough there that the economic benefits of tourism going, that you know, when tourism works right, the benefits are, are economic, social, environmental, and cultural. And if you just focus on the cash the and all the tourism is about is the business, then it, it puts at risk the other benefits that it should bring. So there's, I, I think, the caution is a very uh, is a very very good one. So people need to you know travel with a certain slowness that allows them to be good guests wherever they go, but also to enjoy and to learn. We've seen this with with travelers from Japan who have uh, long said that that when they, they come to, to Western Canada, they want to see the Indigenous art. They want to see the different communities. They want to not only see the art, they want to meet the artists who created the art. They want to spend the time so that when they go back, they have a sense of place and a sense of the
0: well, it, it's so true. It, it, this is so I just love this conversation because it really is. I'm thinking of the people that I've met, I think of the at-risk kids, the indigenous kids that I worked with all over. I think when I was in Australia, that same sense of place and it's almost I always take a rock wherever I've gone, I've taken a rock, and I'd bring uh, that, I bring that I have a jar full of those rocks, and they mean the world to me. you know and it's like in the oh yeah they do and I mean I think about the wall and I think about the past I I go and how we named our route blue was is that I always said if we could keep everybody on the highways I would love you to come into our wilderness but I, I you know my dad told me protect the grizzly bear protect you know so if you can stay on the highways and just give a taste we don't need anything more the first sip of beer is always the best you know you don't you know all of that and that's how we protect and it is that sense of place. And I, I'm so excited because we are starting the impact study of, you know, here's this little girl <laughs> from a coal mining town. No skills. Yeah, okay. I yeah. saw Dr. Cole Schutz from Shermanis Fame. I could do that too, <laughs> right? Me and my mom and a bunch I of kids.
3: It was actually you and yourself.
0: Yeah. And it was my first job at 14 was I sat in a tourist booth just after the Canadian government thought it was a great idea to bypass all the communities with the highway. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and that's, you mentioned earlier, Route 66. I mean, that's the, the, uh, the demise of many a good community, many a thriving place where all of a sudden, you know, the, the main street was no longer the main street. It just had that name, the main road was bypassing and people were going at, at 50, 60 miles an hour. But I want to go back to something you said your dad told you about, you know, the, sort of protecting the wilderness. And that could years ago, It's something like 95% of the people that go through a map, as an example, but there are many other examples, uh, don't go more than 100 feet off the main road. But because they can see it, they're willing for their tax dollars or the donations or the the, uh, tax infrastructure to sustain that wilderness. And, And not everybody needs to go into the wilderness to understand The value in having it quite often people who who read books or see uh, artwork or understand the understand the importance of the wilderness even though they themselves will not go into there they know it needs to be there
0: it's that's fascinatingly true because um the wilderness isn't what we perceive it to be and i see us promote it and i see people and tourism organizations promoting, and you see pictures of the wildlife, and I just go, "Do you understand that is their home? There needs to be—I mean, we we'll want to talk about plexiglass, social distancing. Yeah, my, yeah—that yeah, we need to social distance what we're selling in Canada because it is such people, place, and planet. Like for me, my cousin was an outfitter, and he died in um, Africa on a hunt on a oh. safari. Yeah, cape buffalo um, trampled him." and it's important to this story because he would go and you know a lot of people don't like hunting and i understand the social side of that but he used to provide a lot of money for the tribes there and i, I think of that story and that is also tourism in its own good bad but in that if you get too close to nature nature pushes back well and you know we've seen this with
3: talk about nature and, and, and you you know, look at how how much of nature now is beginning to come back because of uh, travel restrictions, because of fewer airplanes in uh, use, because of fewer cars, because of everything. And, and fish are returning to areas where they had been before. Wildlife is returning to areas and hasn't been for a, a long, long time. But everything is being altered. Wouldn't it be a shame of if, if, when we can travel without any restrictions, uh, we just override all of
0: that as though we are the only ones to benefit from the territory. I, I agree 100%. And that's where I feel, again, COVID has been a gift to Waken. You know, my, my son is in that industry that was, you know, and he's a roadhouse. And he's got mm-hmm. these amazing pubs. And he really, because I was all excited about our app and what we're doing and the art. And he goes, Mom, you got to always look at also, we don't need an awful lot of people coming in if they're not spending money either. Because he said, Yeah, you could hit me with a ton of tourists. He goes, I don't have the money or the manpower to manage those tourists. And I'm really starting to listen to the next generation that feels again like time travel. My son is brilliant and I'm all excited. And I'm like, No, no, he's right. Because he's in an industry that is such a powerful, the hospitality industry is kind of like what when I started mining was. You know, five mines in the little town of Sparwood was what fed this province, you know, and I based. My first grant was I phoned the government and said, hey, you guys make an awful lot of money on coal mining. You should throw $100,000 so we could paint some murals. Of course, we got the money. And I was like, "Ooh, you asked the government for money. That's easy.
3: You have to do the work. You have to do the painting. Well, I think you're, you're, you're hitting on something, which is you know, when, a, when a, a place like British Columbia looks at itself and says, what do we want to be in the world of tourism? You know, we want a, a, and we need now that we we want our visitors to be coming back. It used to be uh, maybe 15 million visitors a year. When they come back, will we do a better job of circulating them around the province? Will we do a better job of welcoming them? Uh, will we invite them to stay longer? And One of the things that that, that we know in tourism is that the longer someone from, say, Europe or Asia spends in British Columbia, the longer a, a, an American spends in British Columbia, the more they get past the first blush of attraction, the more they get into indigenous art, the more they get into uh, communities that aren't on, on the main road, and, and the more they develop affinity for, for British Columbians, and the more likely they are to return at a later date and expand their understanding of the province, And to uh, a storyteller like yourself, to uh, someone like me, who. Writes books to, to to people who believe in the architecture of art as part of, of tourism. Uh, those are really important things because you know so often people come and they want to just see the top two or three visitor attractions, eat at a couple of well known restaurants, stay at a property that has a, a profile, and leave. But if they're going to spend an extra couple of weeks in the province, they're going to see communities that otherwise they would never get to. And when they do that, they're buying art that never would have been sold otherwise, they're eating places that never would have them as the patron, and they're spending time in more remote accommodation places. And I would have to say, uh, that's to the good. It makes for a better type of of guest, and it makes us uh, as a province uh, better hosts. Well, it's
0: interesting because I think Again, what you're right. And the roadhouse side of it is I, I always, you know, I love to email our government and I, I say, do we, especially during COVID when they shut down all the restaurants, I went, there was a panic between for the blue collar and I would say more male because they had nowhere to go to find information. We've become so digital. My son phoned me, he goes, Mom, there's 60 guys sitting in my parking lot. They don't know what's going on. They don't use Facebook. They're freaked out. They, you know, the news isn't believable. And I wrote, to a friend that's you know in the government and I said you know shutting those pubs is causing great harm because the blue collar people go there for resources and connection and that old roadhouse is so valuable they're providing job training the tourists that will come will stop at those pubs support those pubs in order to be our tourism stops like we have these these travel stops why not support the non- small businesses along there they are our ambassadors. And it is that, you know, I see a stream and I'm like, you know, open them up, open them up, right?
3: Right, it's also, you know, I talked earlier about wayfinders. You know, the, the roadhouses are a, a great example of, of where people went for the social connection you talk about, but they also went for local information. They went yep. for reasons maybe to stay, to, to move to the area. They, they, they went there so that they were more than just, you know, line on what they could see on the highway signs, but you could actually get local anecdotes and, and I was told uh, long ago when I started to write books about travel that, that that what people want to read is about incident and anecdote and and incidents and anecdotes usually happen or they usually encounter uh, the more let yourself be embedded in a a community. Probably the smaller the community, the better, because you get a a different type of of person willing to tell the stories, because they're not always on show. And so when you go to a roadhouse, people get into the roadhouse, having that first sip of beer, they're they're having a hamburger, and the person next to them uh, could be from the community, or they could be from anywhere else around the world. And that's one of the beautiful things about about gathering places. And, And British Columbia has, Many many terrific gathering places, and we just need to find a way to get the economically back on their their, their their feet so they can be viable as um, as businesses. And because a lot of them are in the food services business, and and that's been so hard hit by by the uh, by the virus. Impact of the virus.
0: Well, it's definitely interesting. And like so, we've had Art root blue going for well, I'd like to say twenty years. We just keep changing the name. And Art root blue happened because I believe that there is a series of blue horses out there that they don't exist, but we think differently. And this new creative economy, this new circular economy, I see it as blue. And that the horses that came before us and that footstep is really just sort of, I guess, the spiral to a true circular economy. And it was interesting because when we launched the Sunflower Project, and it was based on, I read a book from my Ukrainian heritage, that this woman had brought sunflower seeds with her. And I just fell in love with the story and I painted the interment of my grandparents. And I, I didn't know that story. I discovered that while I was painting. And I went, oh my goodness, what knowledge the immigrant people brought to Canada and that makes us indigenous blue to this planet. We're all indigenous to this planet. And if we get rid of the borders and the symbol of the sunflower, which is a spiral and all of those beautiful things is that everybody gets to have their peace. And if you just turn two degrees, it is a real true circular economy.
3: And I had not heard the phrase, blue horses, so it's isn't that just doesn't that validate all that we've said about uh, gathering places or roadhouses or when, when he uh, can be a, a good host, and people are good guests, but they ask questions, and they listen, and they learn. Uh, because for me, you send half a dozen things or a dozen things, in this half hour, that uh, totally brand new to me, and that you usually only get through travel and reading and exposing yourself to to art and how other people interpret um, their place and want to share it with you, so I, I, I thank you for that, I like that.
0: Well, I thank you because you're right in what you said, that it's in that return. A seed returns to the ground to regrow roots. That sunflower seed, an indigenous plant, is coming back to Canada, and people have it's gone viral. Like we are really trying. We're, well, everybody planted them. There's fields and flowers. And now we're painting old satellites. And I'm going, it was as simple as that. Give each person their seed and they can return. Yet it's global in its, you know, and it really is the golden ratio, the golden spiral. And what you've really, and thank you so much, is in this storytelling is all we really need is the fire and the wall, right back to the beginning of time. We want to find the heart, the hearth, and paint our stories to teach our future. Back to the cave drawings. It's the most simple. So thank you so much, Rick, for your time. I mean, I would love to welcome you again. We're doing a series, and we're really trying to build an alliance of rural tourism of a group of many. We need government and non-government and artists and storytellers. Because we need to build this recovery together of people, place, and planet. And I am just honored that you spent time today here with us on Take It to the Wall.
3: Well, I thank you for having me and your people, place, and planet. Your whole sense of there is more and we each want to touch something bigger than ourselves and travel can help us do that. And I uh, I admire what what you've been doing, but also how you've been doing it. And uh, I, I would I'd like to stay tethered to this and
0: to, to hear more down the road. Oh, I'd love to hook you in. We need you. We need writers and we need the wayfinding. I loved your cathedral thinking. This is like the rose line of Europe. They put those rose lines there and the public art to plant an economy. That's exactly what we're doing. We're just we're a young country you know? We're we're young and we need people like you. So we welcome you to our group of blue horses. It's a fun herd of horses. <laughs>
3: Sounds like
0: it. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. You take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Art Root Radio. I totally enjoyed my time speaking with Rick Antonson. I have followed him for years, and um, since I started wanting to do a BC-wide mural project, I've just followed his travel blogs and the work he's done for tourism. and. I really do appreciate him as a wayfinder being a wayfinder in life is you do what you need to do to get to where you're going and let's make sure it's an artful journey. And he really is a true blue wayfinder. Um, I really found that Rick's, his cathedral thinking is very much in line with what I think about how the power of mural art is in our infrastructure, not only socially, economically, you know, we are the wayfinders that are building the architecture of our lives. So that's exciting. Um, thanks again for listening. Art is a leader in the tourism recovery. And, you know, we can experience road trips through life. We can we can see the art. We can hear the stories, bold and beautiful, on ArtRoot Blue Radio. As we end this podcast, um, it is with heartfelt thanks to Rick Antonson, and you can go to our page and see the books that he has written and the wisdom he has shared and his excitement when we first talked to him about Art Root Blue. And you know what? Art Root Blue will endure. It might become Art Root Canada, and it might become Destination Mural Town. And, you know, there's many, um, many, many stakeholders who have held the blue up for many, many years. And I want to take this time to thank everybody because... We all know the work it's taken, and you know, sometimes visionaries see things before they happen, but I still see those blue hoof prints along the highway. Thanks to you all, especially you three, and thanks for spending time with us four, blue visionaries or blue horses or whatever you want to call us, and stay tuned. The blue is still coming to a community near you. art rude
1: blue it's the art and the history connecting all communities the water flows through indigenous blue the tides rise and fall
0: connecting us all water is life Here I call the water flows through indigenous blue